listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you everyone and welcome to the podcast. I hope your new year is off to a good start. I have had so many things, exciting things happening in this new year as far as different projects and things being birthed and coming forth that I've been working on for a long time. So today I want to share about one of them in particular and share a little bit of a story that began the birthing process of this project and promise. Sometimes promises are things that God says, this has to be done, this will be done in your life, and it's a guarantee from God. Some promises are in the Bible. And then sometimes God puts things in our hearts through the experiences that we've gone through so that we can step into a position to do his will and help others. And this particular birthing of mine is that. It is something that God put in my heart to help others through experiences that I had been through. So I'm going to share a little bit of the story that led to it, and then I want to share a chapter from my book just to kind of talk about some healthy things involved with that. So years ago, I was involved in a church, and if you have not heard parts of my story yet, I come from a background that had abuse in it, domestic abuse. And I dealt with domestic abuse in kind of a number of ways, actually. One was a long-term relationship. Another was actually just a roommate situation, nothing beyond that. But in the process of healing from that and learning about things that I had gone through, a lot of wisdom was birthed and a lot of healing in the scripture was birthed for me. So A lot of things as I was growing up were twisted in the scripture and the false beliefs that I had based on the false teachings actually enabled me to get into and stay in abusive situations longer than I should have without setting healthy boundaries and coping mechanisms. So rewind, many years ago, I was in the process of healing myself. I had been in therapy for PTSD for probably a little over a year already at that point, maybe actually two years, and I had been going through EMDR therapy. But an integral part of healing for me was not just therapy, it was actually spiritual soul healing that I needed, and I did a lot of that just by reading the Bible. Yes, really, truly reading the Bible, but not just reading it, studying it. And not just studying it in general, but studying even different topics in the Bible. Things that had caused me challenges in my life and I needed to understand for myself on a deeper level. Things like forgiveness, boundaries, how to deal with difficult people. Because a lot of the time in church, pastors and people like to talk about how God can do anything and we just need to forgive people. Now, don't get me wrong. Forgiveness is very important, but what forgiveness actually is, biblically, is not what a lot of people think of as forgiveness. Forgiveness that we have to do, biblically, is about releasing people to God 
And along with releasing the people, that means we release resentment, we release anger, we release bitterness, and we release all of that to God and let him deal with it so that we do not hold on to any of those toxic things and we do not hold on to any of those bitter and resentful things that might actually hinder us and our lives from breakthrough and healing and other things. But a lot of people societally think that forgiveness means letting someone back in your life. And there is a type of forgiveness that includes that. But the biblical forgiveness that is a must is not that. Biblical forgiveness that you have to do is about releasing them to God. There is another type of forgiveness that's talked about in the Bible, and that does involve reconciliation, but that is not a necessary thing. That's an only if thing. So there were a number of teachings on things like that that had been twisted for me over the years in false teachings at church where they were preaching the Bible, but they were taking it out of context and not actually going to the true meaning of the Bible to teach it. And over the years, that actually really messed with my ability to choose healthy relationships and then to make changes that were necessary when things weren't going in a healthy or smooth way because there was a level of guilt or responsibility attached to me feeling like I had to show up in this way. I had to give them another chance. I had to forgive. And it actually caused some things to be really imbalanced in my life. So I was going through this healing process, relearning things the appropriate way, untwisting all of the things that had been twisted biblically, and learning what God actually says about those things, what Jesus actually says about those things, and even just how Jesus handled himself in life, and how he dealt with difficult people, and how he dealt with abusive people, and how he taught his followers to do it. And really looking at those things in context so that I could heal my own heart and my own thinking and set things right so that I could move forward in a healthy way in my life. So I'd been going through that process and I had learned so much. But in going through abuse, whether you are in it yourself or whether you are watching a loved one go through it, it's really important to have people around you that understand abuse because a lot of people make quick judgments about what abuse looks like, either for the person in it or the people on the outside. And unless someone really understands domestic abuse or what goes on in domestic abuse, they don't know how difficult it can be to get out or how difficult it can be for someone in a victim's life that cares about them as far as how they handle it or what to do. So it's really important to have people around that understand And, you know, there are all sorts of support groups for different things. There are support groups for alcoholics that are in recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous. There are support groups for people that have alcoholics as family or friends, and that is Al-Anon, right? There are support groups for a lot of different things, but there are not a lot of domestic abuse support groups, and there just aren't a lot of groups within churches that are for people going through those things. So... I really wanted to change that. So I was attending a church at the time and there was something that came up about small groups that they were starting. And they said, if you have an idea for a small group you would like to run, you know, bring it up to us and we can talk about that too. So I went to them and I said, I would love to start a small group for people that have either been abused, are in abuse, 
and or for family and friends of people who are in abuse or have been abused so that we can get together, share our experience, our strength, our hope, encourage each other and pray for each other. So the woman in charge of this at the time said, okay, well, let me look into that. So she took a step back and she looked into it for me. A couple weeks later, she comes back and she says, okay, so I looked into that for you. And what I discovered is that you can do that, but that it has to be a care group. And what that means is that there has to be a licensed psychologist involved in the group. And I was kind of taken aback because, you know, groups like Al-Anon or Alcoholics Anonymous, they don't have a licensed therapist involved. It's a support group for people to share and hold each other accountable and heal together. And I asked her, I said, well, why would we need a licensed therapist involved? And she said, well, I mean, what would you even study if you didn't? What would you even read or study? And I'm thinking, well, the Bible has all sorts of things, but we could even just pray for each other. And I kind of explained how Al-Anon works, but they weren't having any of it. There might have been liability issues with the church. I'm not sure. But I just thought, this is ridiculous. So we can't have a group for people who have been through domestic abuse or experienced it in some aspect in their lives to help each other and support each other and encourage each other unless we can find a licensed therapist who's willing to be there for free to help. And I'm like, this means there's this huge number of people that are just not being served. And I just kept remembering what she said. Well, what would you even study? What would you even read? What would you even talk about? And I just thought, well, there might not be anything right now. But if there's nothing to talk about or study, then I'm going to create something for people to talk about and study. Because there should be a way for people to have a group like this, especially in churches where people really need it. And if there's nothing, then something needs to be created. Well, that was the day that the idea for my book was birthed. Now, I wrote Learning to Believe Again, 30 Days to Finding Hope, Faith, and Comfort in God's Truth, years ago now. It actually came out, published, it was published with my publisher in February of 2020. But the process leading up to that was the knowledge that it needed to be created. When I wrote this, it was not just for people who had been through abuse. It's geared towards anyone who has been through loss, abuse, or trauma. Any kind of experience that would cause their faith to struggle or their belief and trust in God to falter. Because that's the place that I had been at before I went through mega healing. And I learned to believe again. So it wasn't just written for people who have been through abuse. But when I wrote it, I wrote it with this idea in mind that it could be for people who had been abused or for family and friends of people that had been abused or were being abused as something to study, to read through, and then to look at at the Bible verses that relate to all of these topics that we were discussing through the healing process. So I wrote it to be like a Bible study because each chapter has a lot of Bible in it. I discuss the Bible and the reference verses, but I also share a lot of verses that relate to the topic at hand. So I wanted it to be kind of like, you know, the studies that Beth Moore does, where she has you really dig deep into processing things yourself, answering questions, and really reading the Bible. So I ended up putting this book together, 
And I really wrote it geared towards that. It was all about my own healing process and what I learned along the way. Things that I had to unravel that were lies and bring them back to the truth so that I could heal fully. And I always had it in mind that it would be a study that people could do together. But the only thing that was birthed in February of 2020 was the book in its published form. So when the lockdowns in 2020 happened, I knew I wanted to put together a workbook to go with this book, so I did. I put together a workbook that went into deeper questions about the topics in each of the chapters, where people could really dig into their own hearts and figure out things that maybe they had been thinking that needed to be undone, lies that they had believed that needed to be unraveled, and truths that they needed to come to as well as just figuring out things in themselves that needed to be healed. So I went through and I wrote a companion workbook where people could dive deeper into their own healing process and dive deeper into the things that they needed to process through from a biblical standpoint and with the book's guidance. But that wasn't the whole thing. So in the last year, I mean 2022, toward the end of 2022 especially, I knew that I needed to put together a Bible study book study to go with my book, where it wasn't just the workbook and it wasn't just the book, but it actually had guided videos where we could talk through each of these topics together and I could share about my healing process and the things that I had learned on the way and dive deeper into all of these topics. So I put that together. Right before the end of the year, I managed to get all of the videos recorded and the entire website to go with it up and running. So now anyone can take this book and the workbook and that study, and they can lead a study for a group who has been through domestic abuse or family and friends of them, for a group that has been through trauma, for a group that has been through loss, for a group that has been through PTSD any of those areas, they can take this book, they can take the journal that goes with it, the companion workbook, and they can take this study and they can help a whole group of people. Because when I wrote this book, I wanted it to help people. And I know that the book itself will do that, but something special happens when we can get together and really share and grow and learn together and build healthy community together. So I wanted to share that story and share about this new baby, so to speak, that I have birthed. Because if that's something that sounds interesting to you, or you think it's something that your church might be missing, and you think would benefit the church, I just want you to know about it, so that you can go over and check out the book study yourself. It is on my website, brittanybexton.com. It's the Learning to Believe Again book study. And I have also shared a couple of posts on my Facebook page, Brittany Bexton, about the study with a link directly to the study. Because if you feel like that's something that you want to do, or you want to create a group like that, or you think your church is missing that, I encourage you to look into the study and see where you might be able to fill in that gap, or even where you might be able to bring it to your church as an option for something to fill in a gap. It's extremely discounted right now because I wanted to do a New Year's special. So it's discounted until the very end of January, almost 50% off. So that's what it is. I wanted to share it with you. Please check it out. 
even if you just want to know about it so that you share with other people who might need it. And now I'm going to read one chapter out of this book, a chapter that I feel is poignant right now because we need to find balance and boundaries. So this is from day 11 in my book. It's called Balance, and I will probably be going through reading and then speaking a little bit of commentary. Day 11, Balance. We live in a broken and unbalanced world, a world of extremes with little alignment. But God is a God of balance. He grounds us. He knows that you can't have forgiveness without justice, or the world would be a dark place. He also knows that a world without grace is devoid of hope. Everything in this world has its place. Anger, joy, tears, laughter, justice, and grace. The problem arises when we give too much weight to one thing. We live in a society where people are either totally self-centered, self-righteous, and entitled, or they sacrifice themselves, give everything they have to others, and have nothing left. Neither of these extremes is good or right but it can be so hard to find balance. I've met so many Christians who believe that in order to live a godly life, they have to deny themselves, but this couldn't be further from the truth. God made you just as you are for a reason, to live healthy, fulfilled lives that shine God's light. We need to invest in ourselves, not deny ourselves. Many of us spend so much time and money invested in other people and other endeavors that we forget to take time to invest in ourselves and our own personal well-being. When we invest in ourselves and our joys, we inadvertently give to the world and those around us. Because when we are happy, that is when we shine the brightest. We can't give to others if we don't first fill ourselves. I'm going to pause there and just share a little bit of commentary. There's a verse in the Bible that says, you are to love your neighbor as yourselves. So that implies that if we don't love ourselves, then we don't know how to love our neighbor. It also says we love because God first loved us. So that in order to love, we have to be filled with God's love so that we're able to love. So we do have to fill ourselves. Now, this is not to be confused with doing everything for yourself and not giving to others. Again, it's about balance. But we have to acknowledge that we are unique individuals that God made that way. And while we are supposed to crucify the flesh that leads us astray, we are actually supposed to come into our true identity in Christ more and more every day. And God made us each as unique individuals. And we are to be filled with his love and his goodness so that we can give to others or we wouldn't have anything to give. Okay, back to the reading. We should be striving to find ourselves, to accept ourselves, to grow ourselves, to see who God made us to be, to peel away all the layers of habits we have added to our lives that are not truly us. We should be taught to accept ourselves more, love ourselves more, encourage ourselves more, embrace our ideas and feelings more, allow ourselves to choose happiness, and follow our heart's desires. 
This does not mean that you follow every whim that brings temporary relief. This means that you exercise wisdom. You look at the consequences and ask if what you are doing is really leading to what you truly want or if it's hindering you. God created the desires in our hearts, and it says in His Word that when we love the Lord and delight in Him, He gives us the desires of our hearts. He doesn't deny them. So I'm going to pause there. There is a difference between a true desire in our hearts that God places there and a counterfeit that is actually for temporary comfort. The true desire, for example, in a situation where someone wants love, right? The true desire would be they want love. They want to be loved. The counterfeit desire would be that they might receive that love from an unhealthy source that's not right. So we want to learn God's love in deeper ways and the God-created desires of our hearts because he does give those to us. He doesn't deny them. He takes away the counterfeit so that we can have the real deal. Okay, back to the reading. There is a sick fixation in some churches on self-sacrifice. But what a sad world it would be if everyone constantly denied themselves and lived in misery. Doesn't happiness shine far more light than sadness and sacrifice? There is also a fixation on guilt in some churches and a belief that if we are all sinners, we are all bad at the core. But to believe that denies so much truth in the Bible. The Bible clearly says that God created us in His image. If God is good, and God is love, and we are created in His image, then we are innately good. Are we human? Yes. Do we mess up? Yes. But who we are still matters. And there is goodness in us. I'm going to pause again and comment. This does not mean that we do not all sin. We absolutely do sin. We live in an imperfect world and we are imperfect people. And we have flesh that fails. And there is an enemy constantly tempting us. So this is not an invitation to say I'm not a sinner. I'm just good because God made me. God did make us. We are good. We are wonderfully and perfectly made. And there is reason to repent at times. But we're not to live in a place of guilt and condemnation. And we are not to constantly crucify ourselves. Christ already did that on the cross for us. We're supposed to shine his light and speak of the good news that he brought for us. Okay, back to the reading. It says in the Bible that God knit us together in our mother's womb and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's Psalm 139, 13 to 14. This means that God made us to be uniquely us. We serve a purpose in the world. Our desires matter and have a purpose. Our happiness matters and who we are and what we do matters. We have a purpose. In fact, it could be said that all sin comes not from embracing ourselves, but from forgetting who we are. If we lose sight of our own value and uniqueness, we make choices that do not serve our purpose. If we forget our worth, 
we accept treatment that is unacceptable and get caught in a cycle of unhealthy behavior. When we forget how much our individuality matters, we often end up trying to fit in a box of other people's beliefs and wants instead of following our own gut, or as I would say, the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what a gut response really is. We were all given a conscience and an intuition, which is the leading of the Holy Spirit. We were all given unique gifts and desires to grace this world with. Please don't take the gift that you are for granted. Don't deny yourself. Seek yourself. Listen to the whispers of your heart. The Holy Spirit whispers. Feel your desires, your aches, your laughter. Seek God and ask him to show you how loved you are. Smell, taste, hear, feel, experience, explore, and learn more about yourself. Pay attention to feelings that arise in different situations. Recognize discomfort when things do not feel right and delight when you are doing something you love. Allow your love to lead you. God gave us his Holy Spirit to guide us. The Spirit in us is our intuition, the voice that makes us hesitate when something just does not feel right, the voice that says no when we are violated, the voice that says yes, take the risk when we are scared. It's the voice that whispers, you are loved, you are enough, you matter. When we believe in God and love God, His Spirit lives in us, and His desires echo in our hearts. So don't deny the tickle in your gut. Don't deny your passions and your love. Live freely, knowing that when you shine, you shine the light of God into the world. You shine the brightest when you are happy, and it is your light that leads people to the truth, to God. So that's just a little flavor of my book, Learning to Believe Again. That's from day 11, Balance. And though I don't interject in each of the chapters, that's a little bit of the kind of things that I will be discussing in the videos. I dive deeper into each of the topics in the book and share personal stories and deeper revelation. So I hope that that encouraged you this week. One, to know that you are enough, that you are good enough, and that God loves you. Two, to find balance in your own life and know that it's okay to set boundaries and take care of yourself. And three, if this study is something that interests you personally, you can absolutely do it individually. I have a Facebook group where you can check in with me and anyone else doing the study, share questions, have access to me personally, to have questions answered or to dive deeper into topics. I also encourage you that if having a community of people that understand, that want to be able to share and pray for each other and with each other and heal together, and this is something that sounds good to you or that you think is needed where you are, please check out the study. When I wrote this book, I wanted it to touch lives. I have not even paid attention to the numbers of books that I have sold because that's not what it's about to me. It's about helping people and healing people. And this book study is going to do that on a deeper level. So 
I encourage you to check it out and share with friends if it's something that you think others in your lives might be interested in. I love you all, and I encourage you to use the things that you have gone through to help others and to bless the world. Because God doesn't waste anything. God uses everything. And the very things that you went through could be the very things that save someone else's life because of the things that you have learned and grown in. I hope you have a blessed week. I love you all, and I will talk to you next week. I'm burning to